Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. Today is April 24th, 2020. It is Friday. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. I hope everyone's doing okay out there. All right. Our first thing on this episode is our stone for the day, our crystal. And it's bloodstone, and this information comes to us from crystalvaults.com. And it says, wear or carry bloodstone as an amulet of protection against threats or bullying, whether verbal or physical, and for guidance to withdraw when appropriate and the courage to confront when needed. Sew a small bloodstone in the coat of a child or teenager who is being bullied. Carry one for strength when adjusting to new circumstances. Wear or carry bloodstone to increase mental clarity and to aid in decision-making. It provides a mental boost when motivation is lacking and can revitalize the mind and body if you're exhausted. Bloodstone stimulates dreaming and heightens intuition. It is marvelous for increasing creativity and cultivating a project from the idea stage through to actualization. It encourages blessings and prosperity. Bloodstone is a nurturing mother goddess stone, helpful in easing misunderstandings or difficulties with mothers or mothering issues. It also assists humans and animal mothers in the bonding process after traumatic birth or when mother and baby were separated for a time. Working with bloodstone invigorates the system, boosting energy levels and increasing endurance in physical activity. It is beneficial for everyone from athletes to invalids for its steady vibration of purification and well-being. Used as a good luck charm for sports competitions or matches. An excellent stimulator of the immune system. Use bloodstone to ward off colds, flu, infections, and inflammation. It is also a remarkable aid for revitalizing and re-energizing the body after illness, injury, or physical exhaustion. Bloodstone's magical properties allow one to draw upon the power of the weather for personal healing, such as tapping into the winds to bring change or the rain to wash away sorrow. All right, our goddess of the day is Kali, and this information comes from wikipedia.org. And it says, Kali is a Hindu goddess. She is the chief of the 10 Mahavidas, a list which combines Sakta and Buddhist goddesses. Kali's earliest appearance is that of a destroyer of evil forces. She is the most powerful form of Shakti and the goddess of one of the four 
subcategories of the Kula Marga, a category of tantric savism. Over time, Kali has been worshipped by devotional movements and tantric sects, variously as the Divine Mother, Mother of the Universe, Aj, um, Hindu, and bestows... Oh, gosh. Let me start that whole sentence over. Kali's earliest appearance is that of a destroyer of evil forces. She is the most powerful form of Shakti and the goddess of one of the four subcategories of the Kulmagara, a category of tantric savism. Over time, Kali has been worshipped by devotional movements and tantric sects, variously as the Divine Mother, Mother of the Universe, and bestows moksha or liberation. And tantric sects additionally worship her as the ultimate reality or Brahman. She also is seen as the divine protector and the one who bestows moksha or liberation. Kali is often portrayed standing or dancing on her consort, the Hindu god Shiva, who lies calm and prostrate, prostrate beneath her. Kali is worshipped by Hindus throughout India. Kali appears in the death of a Mahabharata. She is called Kalarti, which means dark blue night, and appears to the Pandava, Pandava soldiers in dreams, until finally she appears amidst the fighting during an attack by Drona's son, Ashwatthama. In Kali's most famous legend, Durga and her assistants, the Matrikas wound the demon Raktabja in various ways and with a variety of weapons in an attempt to destroy him. They soon find that they have worsened the situation for every with for with every drop of blood that is dripped from Raktabja, he produces a clone of himself. The battlefield becomes increasingly filled with his duplicates. Durga summons Kali to combat the demons. The Devi Mahatmyam describes out of the surface of her forehead, fierce with frown, issued suddenly Kali of terrible countenance, armed with a sword and noose, bearing the strange Katavanga, decorated with a garland of skulls, clad in a tiger skin, very appalling owing to her emaciated flesh with gaping mouth, fearful with her tongue lolling out, having deep reddish eyes filling the region of the sky with her roars, falling upon impetuously and slaughtering the great Asuras in that army. She devoured those hordes of the foes of the Divas. Kali consumes Rakshaba and his duplicates and dances on the corpse of the slain. In Divi Mahatnyama version of the story, Kali is also described as Matrika, and a Shakti, or power of Diva. She is given the epithet Kamunda, slayer of the demons Chanda and Munda. Chamunda is very often identified with Kali and is very much like her in appearance and hab habit. So I apologize if I butchered those words. I, If I haven't really learned another language, the pronunciation son sometimes eludes me. So I hope I didn't make too much of a mess of those words. All right, our herb for the day is cleavers. 
and it comes to us from anniesremedies.com. And its medicinal uses are for eczema, hair, high blood pressure, kidneys. You can use it for your pet, psoriasis, and skincare. And it has appetite, depressant properties, astringent, depurative, diuretic, refrigerant, tonic, and vulnerary. And most of the time you use the dried aerial parts and fresh expressed juice. The constituents are coumarins, iridoid glycosides, tannins, citric acid, and galatanic acid. It says the the bristle-covered fruit will latch onto animals who brush by, hence one of its names, catchweed. Geese love it, so the name goosegrass. It's native to North America and found in all the lower 48 states and Alaska. All right. It is under the dominion of the moon. The juice of the herb and the seed together taken in wine helps those bitten with an adder by preserving the heart from the venom. It is familiarly taken in broth to keep them lean and lank that are apt to grow fat. And that was written by Nicholas Culpepper in the 1600s. So if it sounded strange, it's because it was written a long time ago. It says herbalists have reported, have long regarded cleavers as a valuable lymphatic tonic and diuretic. The lymph system in the body's mechanism to wash tissues of toxins, passing them back into the bloodstream to be cleansed by the liver and kidneys. This cleansing action makes Cleavers, useful in treating conditions like psoriasis and arthritis, which benefit from purifying the blood. Cleavers is a reliable diuretic used to help clean gravel and urinary stones and to treat urinary infections. Cats, um, these actions make cleavers a safe long-term aid in the treatment of feline lower urinary tract disease for your pets, for your cats. And the herb may also be useful for chronic low-grade kidney inflammation. In studies, cleavers extract lowered blood pressure without slowing heart rate or having any health-threatening side effects. It is a coffee relative, and the roasted seeds are used as a coffee substitute. The young leaves can be eaten like spinach, and most of the time you take a half a teaspoon of a liquid extract three times a day. But be sure and check to make sure that it is safe for you to take by consulting an herbalist or your physician. All right, our environmental news today says from sciencedaily.com on April 21st of this year, There's rising carbon dioxide, which causes more than a climate crisis. It may directly harm our ability to think. And this was researched by the University of Colorado at Boulder. And it says, it finds that an anticipated rise in carbon dioxide concentrations in our indoor living and working spaces by the year 2100 could lead to impaired human cognition. It says, as the 21st century progresses, rising atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations will cause urban and indoor levels of the gas to increase, and they may significantly reduce our basic decision-making ability and complex strategic thinking, according to a new Colorado University Boulder-led study. 
By the end of the century, people could be exposed to indoor CO2 levels up to 1,400 parts per million, more than three times today's outdoor levels and well beyond what humans have ever experienced. It's amazing how high CO2 levels get in enclosed spaces, said Chris Karnuskis, series fellow, associate professor at CU Boulder, and lead author of the new study published today in the AGU journal, GeoHealth. It affects everybody, from little kids packed into classrooms, to scientists, business people, and decision makers, to regular folks in their houses and apartments. Shelley Miller, professor in CU Boulder's School of Engineering and co-author, adds that building ventilation typically modulates CO2 levels in buildings, but there are situations when there are too many people and not enough fresh air to dilute the CO2. CO2 can also build up in poorly ventilated spaces over longer periods of time, such as overnight while sleeping in bedrooms, she said. Put simply, when we breathe air with high CO2 levels, the CO2 levels in our blood rise, reducing the amount of oxygen that reaches our brain. Studies show that this can increase sleepiness and anxiety and impair cognitive function. We all know the feeling, sitting too long in a stuffy, crowded lecture hall or conference room, and many of us begin to feel drowsy or dull. In general, CO2 concentrations are higher indoors than outdoors, the authors wrote. And outdoor CO2 in urban areas is higher than in pristine locations. The CO2 concentrations in buildings are a result of both the gas that is otherwise in equilibrium with the outdoors, but also CO2 generated by building occupants as they exhale. Atmospheric CO2 levels have been rising since the Industrial Revolution, reaching a 414 parts per million peak at NOAA's Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii in 2019. In the ongoing scenario in which people on Earth do not reduce greenhouse gas emissions, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change predicts outdoor CO2 levels could climb to 930 parts per million by 2100, and urban areas typically have around 100 parts per million CO2 higher than this background. All right, and finally we have our moon and planetary positions for today, and the sun is in Taurus, moon is in Taurus, Mercury is in Aries, Venus in Gemini, Mars in Aquarius, Jupiter in Capricorn, Saturn in Aquarius, Uranus in Taurus, Neptune in Pisces, Pluto in Capricorn, and Chiron in Aries. All right, that's our episode for today. It's a little bit shorter than usual, but I am struggling with a cold again and having a difficult time breathing because every time I get sick, my asthma acts up. It's not that easy to record a podcast when you can barely breathe, <laughs> so I apologize if I sound um, a little bit short of breath, but I'm going to wrap it up for today, and I'll be back next week with your podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going to three a, three a week until uh, the move to my new home is complete, so I wish everyone out there much love and light and positivity and blessings. Stay safe, stay home, stay healthy. Namaste.